Welcome to Senior Living Arizona, where we take senior living to the fullest. Join us as we explore Arizona's hotspots and senior-friendly activities, collect tips for great fun and food, and talk about enjoying all that Arizona living has to offer. Brought to you by Senior Living Services in Arizona, please welcome our host, Linda Mettler. Hi, good morning. This is Linda Berry, and I'm going to continue with my uh, story of my mom's journey to assisted living and what that has has meant for her and for me, how it has changed both of our lives. Uh, if you listen to my first episode, you'll you remember that my mom uh, was very independent, lived in her own home until age 95, uh, and just, you know, always in good health, did everything right. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, her body started declining and, you know, she got an illness, ended up in the hospital and from the hospital had to transition over to an assisted living facility. And at the time she thought that it was going to be uh, temporary in the assisted living uh, facility and that she would transition over to the independent living um, facility, which was connected, same same company, same you know, same facility, but different buildings. So that's where I'm going to pick up in this episode is from that transition. So my mom was in the hospital um, right after Thanksgiving of 22 uh, for a week. Um, She had not been eating. She had just not really felt like eating and just kind of slowly stopped eating and was, had lost quite a bit of weight over 20 pounds, pretty malnourished. So they did tons of testing in the hospital. Um, She was there over a week, but they recommended that she did not go home and live alone any longer, um, at least for a while, because she was extremely weak. They started physical therapy to try and get her strength back. She had to use a walker. Um, So we got her transferred. Uh, the, The nurse at the assisted living came over to the hospital, did an assessment and said, you know, we can provide enough care to help your mom. And it looks like she's going to make a full recovery uh, within, you know, three, four, five, six weeks, and we'll get her transitioned over to independent living. And so I thought that was great. So, you know, they sent my mom over to assisted living. I stayed in California for, gosh, the better part of two weeks. I was, she was in the hospital for a week. I, they, they transferred her. I think I went home for a day or two and then came right back. And uh, so they got her over to the assisted living. I got her everything from home that I thought she would need immediately, you know, some pajamas, some clothes, uh, just a few things like that. Um, I had no idea what to expect, nor did she. They brought in a hospital bed for her. They set up pretty much round-the-clock care for her, and we got physical therapy going and really just thought she was going to be on her way to feeling better. But she didn't start feeling better. She started feeling worse. And she started, um, you know, she she didn't improve her eating. She really didn't want to eat at all. Um, things just got worse. So, and this was, by this time, it was about, oh, maybe 10th or 11th of December. 
And she really just wasn't transitioning well. She was rude to the caretakers, not feeling good, not making progress with physical therapy, just not doing well at all. My son, I went over, you know, every week for three, four days, did, tried to do everything to make her happy, bring different things from home. I tried to get her out a few times, which was extremely challenging because she really couldn't walk without a walker. Um, but I did get her out a few times. It was very precarious. I was very worried she was going to fall. Um, and she just wasn't herself. She wasn't nice to anybody. She wasn't in a good mood, which is very understandable. She was feeling sick, but we didn't really understand how sick she was. And, you know, I just thought she was being stubborn and not eating. Well, my son and I went out there at Christmas. She was really, we had a really horrible few days. She was just really uncharacteristically mean. My mom is not a mean person. She's a loving and lovely person. She has a great sense of humor. She's very positive and upbeat all the time. But when we were out and my son, my gosh, she thinks the world of my son, he can do no wrong. But when we were out there at Christmas time, she was just horrible, absolutely horrible. My son and I both thought, well, you know, she never wanted to be in assisted living, not even for a minute. So even though she's receiving the absolute best care and, you know, getting everything she needs, she's refusing to eat. She's being mean to people. She actually kicked one of the caregivers. We just couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe how horrible she was being. And, you know, I I regret in hindsight that I didn't, I should have, I should have realized that there was something more wrong with her medically. I just thought she was being so stubborn and so um, difficult because she didn't like being in assisted living. And I kept saying, listen, if you don't eat, you're not going to get stronger. And if you don't do your physical therapy, you're not going to get stronger and you're not going to be able to move to the independent living. And she kept fighting us. She kept saying, well, I don't feel like eating. So how do I eat when I don't feel like it? And, you know, she just kept being very, very difficult. So we left a couple of days after Christmas, just exhausted. My son and I were both exhausted. We had tried to take her out to eat. We had tried to take her to do a few things. She kept insisting that she wanted her car and she wanted to drive, which of course, at that point, she could barely walk. She couldn't go to the bathroom by herself. Not a chance were we going to let her drive her car, but good for her for her having a fighting spirit and wanting to. But, um, you know, so we had to deal with all those things. We had to deal with her being you know, very uncharacteristic and not herself. And it was almost like she was a different person and just so mean. And my son and I were just exhausted. I was just thinking, oh my gosh, is this what the rest of her life is going to be like? And this is horrible. And my mother hates us. And it, it was very emotional for me because I just wasn't used to that. And I just, you know, just to see her in that state was very, very emotional. But at the same time, I had to think about things like how much was this facility costing? I knew what the independent living situation was going to cost, but now all of a sudden she was in the assisted living and needing a high level of care. So all of which costs money. There's a base rate for the assisted living facility, but then when you add on services, the cost goes up. 
So, you know, we had to add on, you know, additional nursing care services, um, different things like that. So I had to deal with all of that. And I also had to get, you know, well, I already had an advanced healthcare directive and a power of attorney, but they were out of date. So I had to figure out how to get those up to date if my mom was mentally competent enough to sign them and who was I going to get to do all that. So I had to find, you know, start asking friends and, and other people for recommendations and find a lawyer and start getting that work work going so that I could get these things updated. And so that was a whole nother level of stress for me. I, I was able to find an attorney a local in California. I scanned and got him all the paperwork and he was able to update everything for me and get my mom's signature on it. But really, I was so incredibly lucky to get that done. Um, just really incredibly lucky to to get that done in time. Um, so my mom, a few days after Christmas, had to end up going back to the hospital. Of course, in the middle of the night. They she called me at 10 o'clock one night telling me that she was going to call the ambulance if I didn't because she was feeling so horrible. So uh, the nurse at the assisted living center called the ambulance. They got her back to the hospital and found out she had a raging E. coli infection. Um, within 12 hours, I mean, she almost passed away. She was just out of her mind, out of in pain, just completely out of her mind and just looked, she looked transparent or translucent. She lost, you know, several more pounds. Um, at this point was under a hundred pounds, maybe 95 pounds, very, very thin, very ill, in pain. Um, and her mind was not working right because of the bacteria. I mean, she, she was, she was doing okay, but just not her normal self. I mean, certainly they did not diagnose her with any Alzheimer's or dementia or anything, but just her personality was just not herself. So, of course, I had to, I had just been there at Christmas for three or four days, had gotten home for two days, and then, of course, had to fly right back. And she was in the hospital for another week. And that is when things really took another turn. Um well, at that point, I really thought she was going to pass away. So I really wasn't thinking about a whole lot to do with continuing on with assisted living or anything like that because the doctors kept telling me, well, she's probably not ever leaving this hospital in a living state. So I was really thinking, kind of preparing, but she turned the corner physically and she actually did start stabilizing a tiny, tiny bit to the point where they said, well... You know, she's going to make it for the short term, but we don't know how long. And, and they told me after she had been in the hospital five days, they said we, um, again, with a new case manager every single day, which is the most frustrating thing. Um, if you've never gone through this, get ready because you're going to have a new case manager. They, they don't manage cases. I don't even know why they're called case managers. And I honestly don't know why the hospital has them. There is a new one that is assigned to you every single day. 
they have to start over every day and read everything in the chart and get up to speed, which takes them about two hours. And then they make a recommendation. Should you stay in the hospital another day? Should you go to another facility? And really all they do is they send out your information to different facilities to see who will accept you. Um, And the acceptance goes by the severity of your illness and your insurance. So are you Medicare, straight Medicare, or do you have supplemental insurance? If you have supplemental insurance and it's good insurance, you have a higher acceptance rate at various facilities. So, and at this point, we were again thinking she was going to need to go to a full nursing facility because she was even sicker than the first hospitalization when she went to the assisted living facility. So, so I had to deal with that every single day. And then they, they suggested that she go on hospice. And so they, you know, I, I knew very little about hospice at the time. I didn't even know who to call. I didn't even know there were several different hospice providers. I really don't even know the difference from one to the other. I honestly had no time to research, evaluate, interview different hospice providers, somebody in the hospital. Oh, actually it was the assisted living center. The nurse at the assisted living center said, well, we work a lot with a Priva hospice. We can give you a phone number. I called them and they came and they are who I, who I turned my mom's care over to. Um, I was so impressed with their case manager, with their uh, people that, you know, I signed up with them right away. Now, I don't know, you know, it's also something that when your parent or loved one is in the hospital, you don't necessarily have days and time uh, and energy um, and emotional emotional uh, strength, fortitude to interview four or five different hospice providers. But they came over right away, same day, They came over, did an assessment on my mom, talked to me for, oh my gosh, over an hour, showed me everything, all the services, everything they could provide. And they told me, you don't have to send your mom to a skilled nursing facility. She can go back to the assisted living. We can come in and, you know, provide additional care on top of the assisted living center and manage her care. And basically what I learned about hospice is that at the point that you have hospice take over your parent or loved one's care, you no longer have to send that person to a hospital every time they get sick. They have an on-call physician 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, so that when your loved one gets sick, they come to you. And they manage medications, they decide which one's are necessary and life-sustaining and when you should be on or off those medications. If, if you have somebody that has, that's with a medical condition where they're in a lot of pain, they manage those pain medications for you. That, that is the main purpose of hospice. However, there's a lot more to them as well. Hospice offers so many services, uh, for your, um, your loved one, I'll just call them loved ones. Uh, they, you know, they, they basically take over managing 
uh, the care of that person. A lot of us, uh, including me, uh, I thought hospice was really just end of life, just you know, maybe they were there for two or three weeks or, or a week or just managing that. And they certainly do that. You know, people who have terminal illnesses, people who are in a lot of pain, who are just sort of hanging on from cancer treatments or Parkinson's or things like that. Hospice, certainly that is what they're there for. And they manage their pain. They keep them in comfort until their body lets go. But hospice does so much more. They have so many services. Uh, in a case like my mom, you know, her health is a little up and down. It's not 100% stable. So I've chosen to keep her on hospice care. Some people are on hospice care for an extended period of time, um, you know, two, three years. Some people go on and off hospice care. And basically what that means is that when you're on hospice care, the hospital no longer gets reimbursed by Medicare to, for your care. Hospice takes over their physicians, their nurses, um, their, their people take over. You don't have to be in a hospice facility. They will come to you. They will come to your home, assisted living facility, nursing facility, wherever you are, hospice comes to you. So hospice is a, a medical care service. But in addition to just the medical care, they provide so much more. They have music therapy. They can help you with medication management. They can help you with physical therapy. Um, in, you know, they can help you with um, your family members. So they can provide, you know, um, ongoing support for family members. So if you need any type of social services or, you know, um, psychology type services, mental health services, or just help in dealing with, you know, your loved one that, that is going through this extended illness or this severe illness. Hospice can not only help them, they can help you. They've been a huge help to me. So in my mom's case, she, you know, after the second hospitalization, she went back to the assisted living center on hospice. So, and my mom is, is still alive, still with me, uh, which, is, which is, I'm so grateful for. But hospice manages her health care. So the nurses and caretakers at the assisted living facility, of course, still um, help my mom and do things for my mom. The nurse comes, the nurse at the assisted living facility comes in every night to make sure my mom takes her medication and checks on her. The um, caretakers uh, check on my mom every couple of hours. But hospice is the one that is the oversight manager of her healthcare. And they send out a registered nurse to see my mom three days a week. And they do a complete workup. They do her vitals, they check her oxygen, they look at her blood pressure, they do uh, urinary um, specimens if they need to, if they suspect any, any issues or check for infections, especially with my mom. In her case, she had such a bad E. coli infection. So they... They regularly collect uh, urine specimens and check that. They can do blood tests if necessary, um, all of that. So, you know, and I have that three days a week. And that nurse, she's a registered nurse, and she sends me a full text report every time she sees my mom, which gives me so much peace of mind, um, especially since I live in Colorado. And I commute between Colorado 
California and Arizona now on a regular basis. So the, the people at the hospice have really been wonderful. Um, just, and I've gotten so lucky. But back to what I said earlier about the fact that, you know, you may want to do, you know, some research on, if you don't know anything about hospice, and I didn't, I really did not. I thought hospice were people that came in the last couple of days, your loved one was alive and helped you say goodbye. That, that's what I thought. Now I know that they do so much more and their services are expanded and I utilize them as a resource. But one thing I wish is that I had researched hospice and hospice providers earlier, because I am telling you, if you don't research any of this and you wait until your loved one gets sick and you need all these things, gosh, you're going to go through what I've been through the last few months. And it's difficult. It is, I have been through so much and it's just so hard to manage all of it, to learn all about hospice care, to learn about, you know, do I put her on? Do I take her off? You know, recently in the past past couple of weeks, my mom's been getting a little better. She's been getting a little stronger, but she still is unstable. She does really, really well for three or four days. And then she has a day where she feels very shaky and not so good. And maybe she doesn't do a whole lot that day. She still does not have good balance and she's still considered a fall risk. She still needs help walking. Uh, she can walk with her walker, but not for not long distances and not very, you know, not for long periods of time. So I made the decision to leave her on hospice care, um, not just for her sake, but for my sake as well, because I do like that somebody does a thorough check of her every other day. I do like that there is an, an outside set of eyes on her all the time. And I don't want to take her off of hospice until she is 100% stable for an extended period of time, maybe, you know, eight, eight, 10, 12 weeks, something like that. Then I will take her off of hospice care. Um, and that's my situation. That's how I feel about it. You might feel differently. You might, you know, want to leave your loved one on hospice for longer periods of time or shorter periods of time. Everybody's situation is different. Um, but I want to reiterate that, you know, people, people when they are, you know, in a time of need, of medical need, and they are, you know, not operating at 100% capacity, they need an advocate. If, if you can't be that advocate, find somebody in your family or friend, circle of friends that can. Um, the healthcare advocacy is, is definitely important. You want to be able to make those healthcare decisions. And I feel that the hospice people really help me with that. They explain things to my mom in a way that she can process and understand. They explain things to me in a way that I can process and understand. And they understand, they rec they've worked with so many people. They know the difference. They know you know, the things my mom, what, what's important to tell my mom and they know what's important to tell me because I'm the one that has to deal with also the insurance and the financial impact and, you know, the impact to my mom's life and my life. So they understand that's different than how they communicate with my mom. So understanding those things ahead of time, gosh, I, I wish I had, had known those things ahead of time. It would have made life a lot easier for me like I said, I'm doing this podcast and doing this recording because I really have learned all these things in such a short period of time. And it's been trial by fire and 
you know, I, I think so far I've done a pretty good job and made some good decisions regarding my mom's care, but it would have been a whole lot easier if I knew what to expect. Uh, and I did, did not have any idea what to expect. Hospice also offers um, music therapy. Yeah, for music therapy, religious counseling, lots of different things. So really check them out, check out hospice. At least get an understanding of what they're about beyond what you think they are about because they are they have so much more to offer than what you than what most of us think they do. I really had no idea. So I'm just telling you from my experience, they have so much more to offer. And I hope you check it out. Uh, and as far as the advocacy, yes, somebody to manage the healthcare is absolutely critical. Um, and it's gonna change day to day. You know, my mom that second hospitalization in December, we thought she was going to pass away. By some miracle, she managed to get through that and, and then went back to assisted living. And that leads is going to lead me to my third uh, part three of my podcast. And I will chat with you about that in just a few minutes. All right. So stay tuned. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us today on Senior Living Arizona. Please share this podcast with friends and family and help seniors find the way to live life to the fullest. Help Senior Living Arizona increase our reach by taking a few moments to write a review. Senior Living Arizona is dedicated to bringing helpful tips that support aging successfully. Please reach out to us with topics you'd like us to cover. You can find us on social media at Senior Living Arizona and on the web at www.slscommunities.com. 